We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who are the three must-know wide receivers in this year's rookies class? We'll find out on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz. We're going to be talking about some exciting rookie wide receivers tonight. Curtis may have a note or two on some more trades because this man never <laughs> rests yeah. with the trades. Curtis, are you under uh, a lot of snow tonight? How are you guys faring out there? Uh, it was like 60 degrees today. Really? In Ohio. <laughs> yes. Uh, right. Yeah. That's contrary to having... what. Uh, all right. So I, I got some snow, not too much. But my understanding was that people out where you were were supposed to get a ton of snow. No, we got a lot of rain yesterday. Okay. Uh, it's been very windy. I know everyone's just so interested to hear about the weather the last couple of days. We're really, this is really nuanced. Um, yeah. No, it was, it was 70 degrees today. Uh in, in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, it's crazy. That crazy. is wild. All right. It's unseasonably warm. Uh, and, you know, it's sunny. And the top of the rookie class, the wide receiver position, I think is sunny. I like the outlook for these guys, Dave. I'm excited to talk about them today. Yeah, as, as I've mentioned, there's one wide receiver here that I, among others, that I feel good about, that I really, really like. I've been waiting to talk about him. And uh, you know what? I think I might make everybody wait for that guy because I think we're going to start with a player (laughs) (laughs) that hails out from the territory where you are who may, I mean, I I don't know if he's still in Ohio, but if he was, he might have enjoyed that that 70-degree weather out there on the practice field. Yes. All right, man. uh, Before we talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba and his fantasy football outlook at the NFL level, uh, I want to talk to you guys just very quickly about the Epson Epic Vision Ultra LS 800. It's the way that I am watching football in my house. It's crazy. It's totally taking it to the next level. You can take it to the next level too. Epson hooked me up with the Ultra LS 800 laser projector, including their 120 inch uh, silver flex screen. I mean, that's the size of uh, two 85 inch TVs combined, Dave. It's it's a big crazy. screen. 
uh, 4K Pro UHD picture. Uh, I, I'm having so much fun evaluating the rookie plays and all the prospect game film. Can't wait for the combine next week. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, my kids are pumped. We're watching games. We're watching movies, everything. You can check it out. I mean, I, I would not be doing this read if I didn't believe in the product. You got to check it out. Epson.com slash Rotoviz. And like Epson says, bring the sportsbook experience home. I'm hoping to bring Jackson Smith and Jigba shares home in rookie drafts. Dave, why don't you set the table for us? Sure. So this is a player who is a wide receiver out of Ohio State who had one of the more ridiculous seasons you're going to come across. And the interesting thing in the profile here, Curtis, is that outside of that season, there's really not much to talk about. Uh, as a freshman, played in six games, just 10 receptions and a touchdown. In 2021, though, an absolute explosion. Across 13 games, puts up 95 receptions, 1,605 receiving yards, almost 17 yards per reception, nine receiving touchdowns, finishes with a receiving dominator of 0.26, had 32% of the team's receiving yards market share, 20% of touchdowns, 27% of receptions. Now, a thing to keep in mind here, right? In that season, in that 2021 season, Ohio State absolutely loaded with talent. So what he did in that season is even more ridiculous. Then, unfortunately, just three games in his final season at Ohio State in 2022, just five receptions for 43 yards. So this is one of those cases, Curtis, where you have an absolutely fantastic single season that you're trying to then use to carry forward into this player's evaluation as he steps into the NFL. In my opinion, that season demonstrates enough value that you don't have to worry too much about the other pieces. It signals that this is a player that has a ton of potential. The question is going to be, what does his potential look like versus the other receivers we're going to talk about tonight? Yeah, I'd like to add some more context, Stephen. Uh, that the Ohio State wide receiver room over the past couple of years, really ever since Brian Hartline took over uh, the, the the role as the primary recruiter there, I mean, it's just been absolutely loaded. So even as a, a true freshman, you, know, you mentioned that uh, and J Smith and Jigba didn't pop too much. Well, the other receivers. So first off, it was the year before Justin Fields really broke out. Yep. Um, but in that season, the other receivers were Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams. Uh, this was pre-Jamison Williams transfer to Alabama. Yep. You, you, I mean, you can't fault a true freshman for not getting the production uh, in, in that year. And also, Julian Fleming was a true freshman, five-star, uh, along with Smith and Jigba in that season, one of the top overall recruits at any position yeah. in the country. So that's the teammate context for 2020. In 2021... You know, this is the year where, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud is lighting it up 4,400 yards. Um, we see Jackson Smith and Jigbo 1,600 receiving yards. That's six, almost 600 more than Garrett Wilson had in that season. Almost 700 more than Chris Olave had in that season. Just absolutely crazy, man. Um, yeah, he had a higher uh, average uh 
yards per reception than either of those receivers too. It wasn't just like a volume thing. You know, he's bigger per play. Uh, You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., we've seen how crazy, you know, he's become as a prospect. You know, those three guys similarly holding Harrison down the way that the other three held Jackson Smith and Jigba down uh, the year prior. So, so that's, you know, again, that's some of the, the teammate context there. When you look a little bit closer at, you know, what he was really able to do, it, it starts to get pretty impressive, especially if you look at some of the, you know, the, the bowl game stuff. Um, you know, that's not included in that 1,600-yard stat line, Dave. I don't know if you remember New Year's Day 2022, Ohio State versus Utah. Did you, did you recall this game? 15 yeah. receptions. <laughs> 347 yards and three touchdowns just absolutely bonkers production um he was running all over the place he was just literally going crazy so uh seems like a long time ago uh it was actually only about 13 months ago that that occurred so uh i look back on that game fondly it was just one of the everyone was freaking out on twitter you know, it was just really the the cherry on top of one of the best sophomore receiving seasons in NCAA history. Uh, he did lead the Big Ten, and he finished third in all of the NCAA in receiving yards in that season. Uh, you know, in the NFL, you know, scouts are saying that, you know, he's probably going to be, you know, best utilized in the slot. Hearing a lot of people make comparisons with players like Keenan Allen, uh, I, I don't, I don't mind that at all. Keenan Allen's been a PPR phenom for a better part of a decade. Uh, that would be a great result if you were to be able to get a, you know, a mid wide receiver one, you know, four to five seasons worth of that. Uh, after investing a rookie pick in a player like this, you're probably gonna have to draft within the top five selections, even in super flex rookie drafts. So kind of keep that in mind in terms of like the forward projection here. What our Rotoviz box score scout tool shows is a pretty impressive top five sims four of the five had round one draft capital and uh three of the five have have been pretty productive so far uh in their nfl career so george pickens actually his closest sim then percy harvin jerry judy Kadarius tony and justin jefferson um when you think about the type of season that jackson smith and jigba had as a sophomore I don't think that you can rule out that he might just be awesome enough to anchor down an offense. You know, Jefferson was kind of, you know, he didn't really have the head of steam in the class that he came out in. He was showing up all over the place as impressive and all of the key metrics and, you know, he's super productive. He was on one of those juggernaut teams, the LSU yep. team, everyone was producing. There really are a lot of similarities, I think, to that offense and the offense that Smith and Jigba's, you know, premier season came. And so I, I love seeing Justin Jefferson's name in there. But when you're you know, talking, you know, Jerry Judy looks like, you know, he's kind of free and clear of some of the injuries. And I think that he's finally figuring it out now in the NFL. And Percy Harvin, I mean, he was a, as exciting as it gets. Totally different type of athlete than Smith and Jigba. But it does speak to the quality of the, you know, the college football production. I think that's what the, the box score scout is trying to highlight for us there. Um, Smith and Jigba... Uh, I, I don't know if he got to unanimous wide receiver one um, in our rookie summit. He did, he did figure uh, in the end as our wide receiver one, I think Dave, I, 
were you the one that didn't have him at, at the top? Maybe you had one of these other guys we're talking about today at the top, but it was, yeah, you know, he, yep. he, yeah, he did carry, uh, he did carry. So Sean very high on him as well as Blair. Um, so yeah, I, you know, like this guy, I mean, not just cause he wore Scarlet and gray. I mean, he's an exciting player. So can't, can't wait to see where he goes. I, you know, don't freak out. You know, if, if you have one of these drafts where you have the rookie draft before the NFL draft, you know, most people are not projecting that he will be the top wide receiver off the board. He may not even be, you know, one of the first three receivers off the board. I think there's going to be quite a few that go in the first round, like Jefferson, who fell into the 20s. I think Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, you know, that could be his story. Ultimately, that means he probably lands in a better offense with a more developed quarterback. So it's not always the worst thing uh, for a prospect to slide to the back half of the, the first round, especially at the wide receiver position. Anything you want to add on Smith and Jigba before we move on to the next guy? No, I mean, I think that uh, really covered it. And yes, I was the person that did not have Smith and Jigba at the top of his wide receiver rankings. And that is because of what I saw when I started looking into Jordan Addison, a wide receiver who finished his career at USC. Now, one thing I probably should mention is in comparison to Smith and Jigba, who's 6'1", 200 pounds, Addison is a bit of a smaller player. I think some people might have some concerns over the fact that he's just 174 pounds, does stand in at six feet. Uh, Nonetheless, though, this was a player who starts off his career playing at Pittsburgh and starts it off very successfully, uh, Curtis, in particular with his sophomore year, then transfers to USC, maintains his level of production, uh, and was a very good player there. So if we dig in a little bit more, what we'll see is that as a freshman at Pitt, gets 60 receptions in 10 games, uh, averages around 11 yards per reception, puts up four receiving touchdowns, finishes with a receiving dominator of 30, giving him a breakout age of 18.9, breaks out as a freshman, which of course we really like. Then takes a significant step forward in 2021 as a sophomore in 14 games, gets to 99 receptions, takes a big jump though in terms of yards per reception, getting up to 15.86, That gives him a season with 1,570 receiving yards. And on top of that, he adds 17 receiving touchdowns. That is a very, very high mark for an individual season. Uh, Gives him a receiving dominator of 0.36. Was responsible for 39% of Pittsburgh's receiving touchdowns, 34% of yardage. Then he makes the move to USC thanks to the new transfer rules, is able to start playing uh, immediately in 11 games, gets to 59 receptions, averages around 15 yards per reception for 875 yards. Another eight touchdowns does drop a little bit in terms of that receiving dominator there uh, in Southern Cal with a 0.26 accounts for 28% of receiving touchdowns, 25% of the receiving yards there so across his career this is a player who puts up 29 receiving touchdowns 3,000 
111 yards career receiving dominator of 0.32. So why do I like Addison so much? Why do I have him at the top of the board here? For me, a lot of the reason are the same things that had me put Garrett Wilson so high in that when I look at that overall profile and then I consider what scouts say about him, what you see from him, if you do try to assimilate in those numbers to what you see when you watch him playing, you see a receiver who was solid in the screen game, can take a short pass, make something happen with it. At short and intermediate depths, can come across the field, make plays, and it was also used at times as a threat downfield. So it just seems to me like a very complete player who should be able to transition into the NFL pretty seamlessly. As a result of that, you may be able to argue that there's one, two, maybe three other wide receivers in the class who could have more upside. But I think from a probabilistic standpoint, I feel very good about him having a high percentage of his outcomes where he's a good to great, maybe even better player. Yeah, I love it. I love the excitement. And just to clarify, uh, we, you know, these top three receivers, you know, we're still gathering some information. We've got them all in a tier together. You yeah. know, there's no tier break. You know, we talked about JSN first. We're talking about Addison now. Um, you know, this is it's a one A, one B, one C for us right now. Yep. You know, the level of conviction within the team. You know, we 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 like all three. You know, we're getting some more information. Draft capital is also going to be part of that information. Um, you know, to build off what you're talking about with Addison, you know, maybe he is a slightly bigger uh, Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of see some of that to where he can get the big exciting plays, but he can, you know, move the chains. He's obviously not running anyone over. Uh, he does have a slighter build, but, you know, he's about an, an inch to an inch and a half taller and probably 12, you know, to 15 pounds heavier than Hollywood was playing in college. Um, so, you know, th- those are obviously both good things if he was producing in, in quite the same way. I think Addison probably gets the war, the award of all the wide receivers this year uh, in this class for the best trio of top Sims from our road of his box score scout. His, his top three are just nuts, man. It's Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Cooks, and Calvin Ridley. I mean, that's that's awesome. Um, everything about that's awesome. Three wide receiver ones there, three very different types of players, you know, with Jackson being score on any play, you know, low reception number, high yards number. Brandon Cooks kind of being the all-around guy uh, that can do it any any which way. And then Ridley being a little bit more of the route technician that's not adding much from a yak perspective. Um, You know, so obviously the box score scout is not pulling in the, you know, a lot of athletic information yet other than what I feed to it based off of what I think is going to happen at the combine. So we'll go to clarify that a little bit after, you know, next week's events, assuming that Addison, you know, participates in, in all of those things. But when you're getting these different types of matches with the draft capital that Addison's obviously going to get, it does give you quite a bit of confidence to, you know, call this name in your rookie draft and in, in the top half uh, of the first round, even in super flex formats. Uh, we've got him in our top five there. Uh, Addison, despite being 174 pounds, he led the NCAA in receiving touchdowns 
in 2021 in that monster sophomore year at Pitt. I, I don't know what else that we can say. I mean, he, he's probably going to get drafted before uh, Smith and Jigba in the in the reality draft. I, I would be pretty surprised if Addison didn't go like in the top 16. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. If you've been following um, the different mocks that are out there and you think about some of the teams that we're going to see in that top 16, feels like pretty compelling case to be made that we'll see him go yeah. Uh, somewhere in that range. So a very exciting player. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, there are a couple of really exciting options here. I have already made sure that Addison is finding his way onto some of my underdog teams, Curtis, keeping in mind that we could see him go pretty early, at which point it's going to be hard to get him at the price that he's available at right now. Well, yeah, I, uh, I wish that I had more early first round draft picks and I'm trying to remedy that. You mentioned that I'm, I'm trying to wheel and deals, don't make trades. You know, one of the reasons that I'm trying to do that either move up within the first or, you know, send some aging players for some of these firsts. It's because I really like these receivers and in particular, the two that we've already uh, spoken about. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, th- this third guy, Dave, for this episode in this tier, Quentin Johnston, is a, a totally different type of, of animal. If you, you want to talk about your old school potential prototype X receiver of, you know, like the Des Bryant cloth, like that's what you're looking at here with Johnston. Six foot four, 215 pound freak athlete. Why don't you set the table for us on Johnston? And uh, I'm pretty excited to to talk about a couple of his sims from our tools when we get done with the profile. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm almost want to just rush through these so we can start talking about the, <laughs> the mixed bag of, yeah. uh, of comps there. But yeah, yeah, so this is a player out of TCU. So I'm sure a lot of listeners saw him at least in a couple of games yeah. last year. Uh, very large wide receiver. As a freshman across eight games, contributes 22 receptions, two receiving touchdowns. That might not feel like that much given that he had 487 yards, but that is 22.14 receiving yards per reception. And in those eight games, he does produce a receiving dominator of 0.29, just misses the breakout, but from a practical standpoint, that's a very good start to his career. Follows that up in 2021 
with just seven games. But in those seven games, 31 receptions for 615 yards, six touchdowns, again, gets around 20 yards per reception, has the breakout at the age of 20.3 with a receiving dominator of 0.39. Now that six touchdowns does not feel that high, but it's worth noting that actually was 46% of receiving touchdowns for TCU in that season, which I think is important to point out here, uh, especially as when, you know, you mentioned a player in the mold of Des Bryant, people might have been expecting, you know, a very high touchdown rate for him in college Um, in comparison to just raw totals doesn't really stack up against some of the other guys we've talked about, but from a team percentage, it's definitely noteworthy. Then at uh, 21.3 in 2022, it crossed 13 games, 60 receptions, 1,069 receiving yards, again, six receiving touchdowns, and that season good for just 22% of TCU receiving touchdowns and puts up a receiving dominator of 0.26. So obviously the highlights here are a very high yards per reception, almost breaks out in the rookie season, consistent production throughout the career. And then uh, also nice to see him be able to help elevate that team that he played on. Yeah. I think, you know, before we talk about some of the Sims, you know, people probably feel a little bit burned on recent first round TCU wide receivers. Um, I can raise my hand on that. I was a huge supporter of Jalen Rager coming out, you know, some, you know, people kind of remember some of the context around, you know, his metrics that TCU was not a very explosive passing uh, offense, even, even less so than they were, you know, this year um, when he was coming out and, you know, there's some overlap there, I believe in, uh, in Johnston's uh, first season. Um, Now, when you talk about the Sims from the the box score scout, the first two awesome T (laughs) Higgins and Justin Jefferson, man, Uh, we get a little lower you start scratching your head a little bit. Jonathan Baldwin, Jalen Rager, and Nelson Aguilar. Yep. Now, in Aguilar's defense, <laughs> he actually has he's stuck around in the league. And, he, you know, I think he's got a couple wide receiver three uh, seasons to his belt. That's not yep. what you're expecting when you spend a mid-first round, you know, rookie pick on a wide receiver. You know, Baldwin never, you know, really just never figured it out. He did get the draft capital. Yep. Um, you know, thanks to, you know, superb athleticism, but it just never really panned out. And, you know, Rager just, I don't know if it was a a situation in Philadelphia, but I mean, he just, he never caught on at all. Aguilar Um, started off in Philadelphia too, as well, right? Yeah, uh, he did. Um, He was supposed to be the next Jeremy Macklin and it just never surfaced, which is interesting because obviously Quinton Johnson, we're not viewing as that type of player. No, no, not at all. I mean, he like from a from a physicality perspective, you know, the two names on this list that you would you would see why it makes sense would be, you know, T Higgins and Jonathan yes. Baldwin. Um, those are the two that you're you're circling there. So, you know, I think you know, fairly or unfairly, uh, you know, Big 12 wide receivers, you know, it's been a, a mixed bag. And, you know, I think that these Sims, even though not all of these players are are from the Big 12, um, I think this is a really good representative uh, top five for a player like Johnson who came from an offense that's a little bit hard to figure out in terms of projecting to the next level. Um, and, you know, you got to trust the metrics, not necessarily the raw numbers. And, you know, when you see a, a ceiling like Jefferson, 
you know, maybe, you know, kind of that 90th percentile outcome being the T Higgins, which is, you know, maybe high end wide receiver too, but maybe not a true fantasy difference maker. And then basically uh, nothing after that. So, you know, for us, I do think that we landed in a spot where Johnston is right now for our team, the, the clear wide receiver three. Um, but, he, you know, we did feel that he still belonged in tier one. Um, and and I, I don't I'm not sure that anything could happen at the combine or from a, a draft capital standpoint that would cause him to leap either of those other two receivers. You know, maybe maybe, you know, I don't know if he gets Patrick Mahomes or something like that. Yeah, you know, may, maybe at that point, you know, you start doing some flip flopping. But um, kind of just to, to sum this up, you know, Johnson did finish in the top three in the Big 12 in yards per reception each season of his college career. So even though, you know, the, the actual numbers as a freshman, um, you know, weren't off the charts, just the 22 receptions for 487 yards, you know, he averaged 22.1 yards per reception as a freshman, 19.2 as a sophomore, 17.8 as a senior. It kind of makes sense. I think it's highly defensible that as his volume increased by 50% year yep. one to year two, and then uh, you know, by basically a hundred percent year two to year three, I think it's forgivable that, you know, he loses a yard and a half each of those seasons still finishes his college career at a really impressive 19.0 yards per reception. So you now, Hey, he's got the size. He's got the, um, not, not just the size from a height perspective, you know, he's going to be heavy Yeah, and he's got the speed and he's got the big play dynamic ability. Really excited to see what happens for Johnston. Uh, I, I would be tempted to trade, like on the clock, I would be tempted to trade from our tier two wide receivers up a spot or two if it doesn't cost you a lot um, just for the rights to get Johnston versus, you know, the guys that are in that next spot down. Yeah. And to the point about the um, efficiency, the yards per reception dropping over the course of the career, I think we see this a lot with players as the volume increases. So that's really not any type of indictment. And the other thing that mm -hmm. could play into it is as the player does progress, you know, the team might trust him to run a different type of route, you know, use them in different situations. So I think you can naturally see that come down, but yeah, we are excited to see what happens with these guys. Uh, if Johnston is very fast, we could see a freak score that ends up being, right particularly yeah. enticing. So we're waiting to get the, the, the testing numbers Oof. so that we can really start to put these full pictures together. But uh, Curtis, I'm going to hit a sound effect here and then I'm going to let you talk to us about one deal that you've had in the works or one player. I've been dying to hit my dynasty price check sound effect for a <laughs> while and we're doing it tonight. Okay. All right. Before I talk about the latest happenings in my Dynasty trade uh, portfolio here, I want to point the listeners to Underdog Fantasy. The big board best ball uh, tournament is live, man. It's $200,000 first place, a million dollars of total prizes, just $10 per entry fee. The rookies, baby. The rookies are in the, they're in the draft room. I've been drafting them, Dave. Been drafting a couple... Uh, shares already of the guys we talked about tonight. Plenty of the running backs that we talked about uh, earlier uh, last week. I've got 10 of these bad boys going right now uh, in my app. You should check out Underdog Fantasy 2 if you haven't before. If you make your first deposit, 
using our promo code Rotoviz. We'll match it up to a hundred bucks. So you put a hundred in, we put a hundred in. You're going to draft 20 big board teams and have a shot at 200 K check it out at underdogfantasy.com. Okay. So Dave, I've got, I've got this situation here where I have a super flex dynasty best ball squad over on FFPC. This is not one of, this is one I've been in it for a few years. I adopted it as an orphan, I think three seasons ago. And it is the league where I recently traded Josh Allen away for Jalen Hurts and an additional pick. And so there's still action going on in this league. I've got the 105 and the 106. Those are picks probably going to be spent maybe on two of the receivers that we talked about today. If yep. I stay, if I stay put, but my my quarterback too is Russell Wilson on the squad. I have no, I have no solid running backs to speak of. It's AJ Dillon, Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, Kareem Hunt. Uh, the wide receivers are pretty fire. I've got Tyreek Hill, Garrett Wilson, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson. And I do have Mark Andrews as tight end in this tight end premium format. So it's a strong team. It's like a couple running backs away, maybe wanting some protection on Russell Wilson in case it doesn't work out. That's the situation. Well, there is a guy who is, he's desperately trying to trade away Stefan Diggs. And he also is deeper than he would like to be at quarterback. Cut downs are coming. We got to get down to 16 players per roster by March 31st. So he's also trying to unload Geno Smith. So he wants both of my first round picks. He wants the one five, the one six. So the latest offer, we've been back and forth. I mean, 11 or 12 times. You can tell that we're both interested, but nobody's like ready to seal the deal yet. The offer in my inbox right now for my one five, one six is Stefan Diggs, Geno Smith, Tyler Algier and Juju. So yeah. I guess the way, the way that I break it down, I mean, I think Diggs is more valuable than the one five. I mean, Diggs is probably for me, I'd put him at like the one three ish. You know, I think he's still going to be a wide receiver one for at least two more seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's got to be worth something, but I don't think that any of, I mean, Geno Smith is not worth the one six, you know, maybe you can make an argue argument that he's, you know, a one, two turn type valuation now. Um, and then Algier and Juju, those are both guys that I think are probably worth mid-seconds. But I just don't know if all three of those guys get up to the value of that 1-6. But then when you think about the roster value of this quartet in a best ball format where I'm not sitting these guys, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued. So I'm curious, you know, I, I don't have the conviction to hit accept yet. I think it's, I think it's there on value. Uh, but I'm just curious of your thoughts on this one as I kind of work through it. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because it is a good offer. And I think that if you're thinking about it just from just from the perspective of if you're getting back a commensurate value for the 106, does it add up? I think it does. The one thing that I don't like about this is, and of course, you know, you can't be, you know, you can't be greedy here and try to get everything, but the players behind digs. I'm not sure that they really move the needle for me all that much as much as I don't want to like or don't like to say it. I think we're hitting the point where Juju with Juju now where it's very conceivable he's phased out um, of the type of roles that we were expecting or hoping he could have. Um, 
Smith, I don't know how much value he really carries because we had that one season was an aberration. We don't know. Still not sure if this is the type of player that has, you know, many seasons of similar production on, on the horizon. And then Algier, we've liked Algier, but still a player with where he was drafted in the actual draft could very easily get bumped down the depth chart at some point. So in comparison to some of these trades that we've seen you be able to conduct, this doesn't feel quite as good as some of them. So the hesitation that I would have would be for this 106, can we do just a little bit better? Uh, If you were really dying to get rid of this 106, this would probably be an okay trade. Uh, But then I also think about some of the players that it could be that 106 actually could be. And I'm not sure if I'm quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you broke that down. Basically. I mean, it just sounds like the internal dialogue that I've been having since this thing showed up in the inbox a couple hours before the show. Um, The, and I think you highlighted the reasons why it wasn't an auto accept as I think through it, you know, I am getting pretty convicted because if, if you think like there is an easy to see upside path for all three of those players, like if Gino signs a multi-year deal in Seattle and he's going to be with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I mean, for the foreseeable future, I mean, he's going to probably continue to be a high end QB too. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm getting a Franken QB of his best games and Russell Wilson's best games to go with Jalen Hurts, it's going to be a pretty high end quarterback room in yeah. a super flex format. And Tyler Algier, if the Falcons um, focus their their high end draft capital, uh, you know, away from the running back position, which they obviously should, they still yep. need a quarterback. They've been rumored as big time potential players for Lamar Jackson if the Ravens decide to listen. You know, I don't think they're really in a position where they can afford to invest highly in Algier. They probably will add another day three guy. They can compete with, but I mean, just rush for a thousand yards as a rookie. And if they do improve their quarterback situation, you know, he could be one of these players that, you know, becomes a heavy favorite for like double digit touchdowns yeah. in a second season, you know, but you know, he also could potentially get usurped by another day three guy. You know, is he that good? You know, how much of his production was a function of his talent, which we liked and we were big Algier fans last year versus Arthur Smith's system, which has, you know, really been favorable to the big power backs like Algier. Um, and then Juju, I mean, for all his warts in best ball, you know, he's still, I mean, he, he's still, he was wide receiver 27 last year, you know, he's wide receiver in 33 and, and PPR per game. He had four wide receiver one weeks. Uh, he averaged 12 PPR a game and a best ball. I mean, best ball is actually where you would want Juju. You'd be, you'd want him more there especially if he stays with the chiefs and Kelsey gets a year older and those type of thing. But then if he doesn't stay with the, with the chiefs, you know, I think there's some situations where, you know, he could end up with quarterbacks who, who like to concentrate their wide receiver volume differently than Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes has been Kelsey and then everybody else just kind of gets their little piece. Um, And, you know, what if, what if Juju ends up, you know, in New York with Brian Dayball, or what if he, what if he lands in, in Baltimore in this new, you know, wide open spread offense with, uh, with Todd Munkin, you know, what kind of touchdown upside would he have in an offense like that? Or what about Vegas or, or new England replacing Jacoby Myers? You know, I think there's some spots where he could still go get very similar target volume to what he got this year. And he's still only 26 years old. 
So yeah, I, I got it. I can't see myself actually clicking accept because usually I would have already done it mm-hmm. if it, if it felt there, I, you know, I want to commend the other owner for putting together an awesome offer. That's making me think about it this much. It, it is, it's a, it's a fair offer, honestly, but it's one of those things where, you know, I'm, I'm taking like, you know, three fifty cent pieces for this last dollar. And I just don't know if I like it. So I'll have to see what I can come up with. This is a team that it's getting close. I, I, it's getting close. I'm improving it with every deal that's executed. So maybe next week when we come back, Dave, I'll have, I gotten a deal done with this guy. You know, we're both, we're both there dancing you know, nobody's left. Nobody's driven home angry yet. We're, we're going to get it done. Absolutely. So we still have some exciting wide receivers to cover. The oh, yeah. combines going to be coming up at which oh, yeah. point we'll have a lot more to drop in uh, or to get into there. So we are excited about what is on the way. Hope that you are as well. And we will talk with all of you next week. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.